Well, this morning, as Chad indicated, I'm sharing, have the privilege to share uh, the conclusion of our sermon series that we've titled The Amazing Possibilities of Prayer. What we've been discovering over these seven weeks is that God, our Father, desires for us to experience awesome things in prayer. And we've been looking specifically at the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave his followers when they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And this model is found in your Bible or in your Bible app in in Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, if you want to open there. In general, prayer is simply directing our thoughts and words to Jesus. And this simple and powerful model that Jesus gave provides tracks for our thoughts and words to run on as we connect with God. Over the last uh, several months, we've learned a lot, haven't we, about God's nature as loving and caring and providing and intervening and forgiving and protecting and delivering as our Father, and how He wants to live in a vital relationship with each one of us as His children, and as we converse with Him about the life that we're living together. We've discovered that the Lord's Prayer has Five specific petitions that have to do with, first, our identity and His, ours as His children, His as our Father. Secondly, God's kingdom. Thirdly, provision. Fourthly, relationships, specifically the appeal to live in forgiveness. And then fifthly, protection. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the concluding praise and then offer just a few prayer tips as we wrap things up. As we've been doing over the last few weeks... uh, a tradition that's not celebrated often in the vineyard. We actually pray out loud together the Lord's Prayer. So let's do that as we begin this morning. Are you ready? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we do thank you that you um, are our father, that we are your children, and that you invite us into a real, rich, real life, an abundant life, and that you are our caring and our providing and our intervening and protecting and our delivering and our loving father. And I pray, Lord, that you would unpack that revelation to each one of us here today in a greater dimension. Maybe some, Lord, for the very first time, experiencing your love and your care and your forgiveness. Others of us, Lord, who are already your children, that that we would grow in our not only our understanding, but our experience of, of those things as your children. Bring your kingdom among us today. Put power on your word to our lives in the ways that you, Holy Spirit, know that we need. You are welcome here, not just in this room, but but in the room next door when Vineyard Kids are learning the same principles in a way that that ministers life to them. And really, Lord, in all of our lives, our attendance here this morning says uh, you are welcome in our lives. We gather this morning with the intention of indicating to you that we want our life to count. In general and specifically this very next week in your name, amen. Well, the Lord's Prayer concludes with the phrase, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Now, it may surprise you that this doxology was almost certainly not a part of the original prayer as given by Jesus. Rather, as the footnote of most of your Bibles would probably indicate, it was likely a textual addition by Matthew or by one of the later scribes that, who wrote down the prayer long after Jesus spoke. There is ample historical evidence from historians that in the temple, Jewish worshipers would conclude their prayers with a rather renowned statement of praise and thanksgiving. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and forever. Amen, is what the Jewish worshipers would say. And we can immediately see the similarities in that spoken doxology with this one that is now recorded and embedded in the Lord's Prayer. Now, whether or not this phrase was actually a part of the original prayer model that the original audience would have heard Jesus say that day as he preached this text on the Sermon on the Mount. We'll leave that for the scholars to debate. I think it's just a good idea to end our prayers with a statement of praise and thanksgiving. The author Robert Fulgham says with some degree of hyperbole in his first book, quote, all I really need to know about how to live, what to do, and how to be, I learned in kindergarten, unquote. I might add, well, not exactly everything, okay, but kindergarten, you know, does have good roots for a lot of good things. Good things like saying, please, and thank you. And uh, those of us who are parents or grandparents know the pleasure that that accompanies a request from one of our children or our grandchildren when it's followed with a sincere, thanks, Dad. So I think we owe God our Father no less than this common courtesy when we complete our prayers. I think it makes good sense, whether or not it was in the original text. (laughs) So let's just put a punctuation mark on our prayers and say something like this, Father, for everything uh, that I've already received and for all these things that I've just asked, I say thank you. Now, this particular doxology mentions God's kingdom, his power, and his glory. I like to think of it, or actually say it, in the way that is expressed by Eugene Peterson in his, me- in his translation of the Bible called The Message. It's, it's the vernacular. It's the way that the original audience may have more likely heard this expression. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You are ablaze in glory. Yes, yes, yes. Let's unpack that just a bit. You're in charge. God, you, you rule and reign over all. You, you're the king over everything. The earth and everything in it belongs to you. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to you. All the nations and all their leaders and all their people belong to you. Lord, my whole life, everything I am, everything I have, everything I hope to be belongs to you and is yours. And things here are not out of control. Father, you are ruling and reigning, even though things on the earth may appear chaotic and messy right now. There is another kingdom over which you rule as well. You are ruling and reigning, and as such, you are good, and you are good all the time. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, the Father of lights, in whom there's not even a hint or a shadow of turning. Lord, you are you are present. You're here. You're powerful. You're moving. You're, you're loving. You're leading. You're hearing. You're guiding. You're protecting. You're not some far off, distant, removed from us father figure. 
who wound up the universe like a big clock and then let it run and is now watching from a distance. From a distance, God is what? No, no, that song is not biblical at all. God is present, he's powerful, he's personal, he's loving, he's intervening, he's acting, he's guiding, protecting. God, you're in charge. The second phrase, God, you can do anything you want. That is, God, you have the power to act. There is nothing too hard for you. You have the wisdom to know how to administrate your power in just the right amounts to do just the right things at just the right time. God is good at doing the right thing, the right time, in the right way, and for the right reason. The world is broken. People are evil. But God, you can redeem even that in your power. You can redeem and restore. You can do anything you want. Thirdly, you're ablaze in beauty. We conclude our prayers by acknowledging, Jesus, you are beautiful. You are glorious. You are awesome. And I desire, Lord that my life reflect your beauty and that you be made famous in what I do and what I say and where I live and how I do life. In, in my life, Lord, in my family, in, in our community, in our church family, be glorified, be ablaze, let people see your, your beauty. Our lives are supposed to be about you, Lord. Christianity is supposed to be about you. Our church life is supposed to reflect you, May those things happen. You are real. You are, you are alive. And, and Lord, may you be at the center of our lives. Give me eyes today, Lord, to see what it is you see. Give me ears to hear uh, you. I fully surrender my life again to you this day for the good of others and the greater glory of God, exclamation point. And so the appeal in, in, in this doxology for for God's um, kingdom and power and glory is is an appeal along these lines. God, you're in charge. God, God, you can do anything you want, and you're ablaze in beauty and glory. And then the prayer concludes with that beautiful and powerful word, Amen or Amen. Now it was a custom in the Jewish temple, and then later in the synagogues, and then in the early Christian assemblies, that whenever the priest or the pastor or the leader had offered up a prayer to God, that others in the audience would respond with the word, Amen. And in effect, saying the Amen was to make the substance of what was prayed and uttered your own. It's kind of like, signing your name to a shoebox or a Hallmark greeting card. You know, on those special occasions, you go to the store and you carefully select the card that says what you want to say, only in a lot better way. And, and, and sometimes you can get a blank card, but not many of us do, because then that you have to, like, come up with something fresh. And so what we really rather do is we buy the cards that are beautifully illustrated and, and capture the essence of what we want to say, and then we sign our name. And then when we sign our name to the card, it becomes our expression, doesn't it? And, and that's really kind of what the amen in a prayer does. It, it takes the Lord's Prayer that we've just learned and, and maybe you've just completed praying. And when you say amen, it makes that which was crafted your own. It's the signing of the greeting card, the way of connecting to God. Now, the word amen actually is one of the most remarkable words. I know that 
may come as a surprise to some of you today, but it really is true. Um, it's not just the rote, mindless, religious tome with which we end you know, sacred communication. Uh, that's how we've often practiced it, but it's not. Let me explain. It's actually a transliterated word. That means we borrow it directly from the original language without translating. So it's a Hebrew word. And then it's, of course, it's transliterated into the Greek of the New Testament, later in Latin, and now in English. And so we're borrowing it from several cent, uh, millenniums ago. And uh, in this sense, it's, it's almost a universal word in any culture and around uh, the globe in any, in any context. It has been referred to as perhaps the best known word in human speech, no matter where you're at. The word is transliterated almost directly from the Hebrew word that means to believe. And so today it, it, it can be assumed to, to also mean sure or truly. It became an expression through the years of absolute trust. Interestingly, it's the word that Jesus used 75 times in the Gospels. For those of you who, re- who read the King James, it's where he said, verily, verily. I say to you, or more modern translations, truly, truly, the original audience would have heard Jesus actually say, amen, amen. That's that's the, the word, truly, truly. He was actually saying, amen, amen. And, and so we might think of the amen in our prayers to actually conclude by saying, may it be so, so be it, or may it be fulfilled. And so the Lord's Prayer concludes with this emphatic exclamation point. Amen. Yes. I believe you, Father. May what I've prayed come true. May it be so. I believe. Amen. 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 Yes. 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 You can see it's not just the, the dribble of a, of a worn out prayer, a religious expression. No, it's an emphatic adding of your faith to that which you've prayed. The Lord's Prayer. Beautiful. Powerful tracks for our mind and and thoughts and words to run on. I'd like to share now, just as we kind of wrap up these eight weeks together, just a few other encouraging tips regarding prayer. Tip number one, cultivating prayer is a lifelong journey. There are no shortcuts. Reading books on prayer is good. Hearing Great sermons on prayer. That was a joke. Uh, (laughs) Pretty bad when you got to tell people it's a joke, isn't it? Yeah. I'll try that again. Hearing sermons on prayer is good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Reading the biographies of great saints through history who prayed and had powerful prayer lives. That's good. But actually praying is a lifelong process uh, that takes a great deal of time and effort. Don't let anyone ever kid you. Nothing good comes without effort. Now, I know a few through the years who really, really enjoy prayer. And I often thought, maybe that's what they'll discover when the the Curiosity rover goes around Mars. They'll find these people who actually really, really love prayer because they're so foreign to us. The majority of us find prayer to be just the discipline of work and effort. Uh, it's been my experience in 35 years as a pastor. 
Um, it's just a process of daily, weekly, monthly, annual obedience, more than just an, an occasion for great joy. Now, to be sure, there are, there are moments of joy liberally sprinkled in those 35 years as a pastor, 38 years as a Christ follower, I've, I've discovered. But, but over the long haul, pastors are guilty of overselling if you hear a guarantee of perpetual joy in prayer. Uh, I just don't know many that for whom that's been the, their experience, nor do I know many people for whom would, would say with authenticity, integrity, that prayer has been a great, joyful experience every day of their lives. But now, on the other hand, neither is prayer intended by God the Father to be a burden, which is how so many experience. And so if that's largely how we feel, then I think it would be safe to say that God wants to change something in what we believe, what we practice, or what we experience. That's been our fundamental appeal in the last eight weeks. God wants to change something in how we either uh, approach it, believe it, the foundations, how we practice it, with simplicity and power, or experience it with dynamic results. In this lifelong journey of prayer, I I suspect that many of you actually pray more than you imagine. Let Let me say it this way. When the Apostle Paul encouraged us in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 17, to never stop praying or pray without ceasing, yeah, I know many of us have kind of wilted in the shadow of that verse, haven't we? Like, like we've just kind of emotionally given up. But the truth is, if prayer is directing our thoughts and our words to God, then many of us are engaged in prayer much more than we actually think. It's not necessarily just the activity of sitting down at a prescribed time and a prescribed location, although we'll get to that in a moment. But it's, it's just when we direct our thoughts and our words to God. And in that sense, many of us are, are praying much more than we actually acknowledge. So just keep the long view. Don't allow the enemy to beat us up, no matter where we're at in our journey of prayer, because we know this is going to take a lifetime of cultivation. And so keep the long view. It's a lifelong journey. Tip number two, regarding praying the Lord's Prayer, find a rhythm that works for you. Now, it's my conviction that part of the reason the Holy Spirit directed us to take these eight weeks together is to actually move us closer to what He desires to experience in prayer. Taking our current prayer experience and changing it, enlarging it. So, just this morning I get up at my normal time, grab the cup of coffee that's already prepared, and I pull my phone open because uh, that's where I read read the Bibles on the phone. And uh, my phone locks up. So I have an iPhone, like I know many of you do. And, you know, you, don't you hate it when it gets that little circle of thing? Like, like oh, no. Like, oh, really? Seriously? The phone? And so for the next, you know, few minutes, I'm trying every series of possible combinations of buttons to press and hold and, you know, whatever, because normally it reboots right up. It would not reboot for the love nor money. I'm like, you know, oh, that's just a hassle. It's just a hassle. So I tried plugging into the computer. It didn't work, didn't reset. And I put it on my nightstand, got ready for the rest of the, in the rest of the morning, prayed, looked at the sermon, uh, took a shower, went back to my phone an hour later, 
And I said, Lord, I know this is like not a very dramatic lesson, but if you heal the phone, then I'll actually use it as an illustration today. <laughs> so, and I'm not exaggerating. I just said, Lord, I've tried every possible combination to reset this phone. And like, it's a hassle. I know, Lord, it's not big on your scale of things to answer today, but okay. So I just said, Lord, Jesus, please heal my phone. And I pressed the on button. It resets. No exaggeration. No explanation either that I can figure out other than God wants to reset our prayer life. You know, like, okay, the, the, the metaphor to me was clear. Okay, like, how many of you can't live without your phone? Now, I know, like, if you're over 40, that, that might not, you know, be, like, so totally true. Maybe it's 35 today and above. I don't know. But I'm 55, and I can't live without my phone. And, and may I know many of you can't live without your phone. It's like, it's like the way we communicate, right? How many of us can't live without prayer? It's the way we communicate. And some of our prayer lives are locked up like the iPhone. My, like my iPhone was this morning. And, and my suspicion is that part of the reason God invites us over these eight weeks into this journey of prayer is because he wants us to reset so that we can communicate with him. So rhythm means finding a, a time and a place that is somewhat consistent and regular. It means starting to pray if prayer is not yet a habit or a discipline in your life. It means becoming um, more regular if prayer is already a discipline, although maybe one not fleshed out very deeply. Rhythm means identifying a time and place that will allow us to actually reset and do the hard work of praying and not just having heard sermons about prayer or stories about prayer or heard about prayers that God answered. Maybe for you it means morning, early in the morning, or maybe at noon, on your lunch break. Maybe it's in the evening after dinner before you go to bed. For those of you who are insomniac, it might mean in the middle of the night. And maybe that's part of the reason you can't sleep is God wants to create a time and space in your life for it to connect. Maybe it means a particular place, a room in your house or your apartment, or your condo. Maybe it means in a particular chair on the porch of your home. Maybe it means in your car on the way to and from work with no other digital musical vocal distractions, whatever works for you. Now, I will say, parenthetically, seldom have I seen prayer actually work in bed. That's just generally, now, it may work for you that way, but I've just found that, you know, I start well, and then I end up worshiping St. Mattress. It just doesn't work very well uh, to, to have to get out of bed and change physical locations. And then be realistic about the rhythm that you might be leaning into. Don't try to be heroic about prayer after today. Start with a reasonable and attainable goal. So if you're not praying with any kind of consistency now, then start with a goal of five minutes. And maybe the day of the week to try that would be Sundays before you gather for worship. It's a day that we don't Many of us don't have to work, and our Sunday mornings are a little more accessible than other days. So start realistically with five minutes, like before you come to church, or maybe before you go to a small group. Um, if you pray five minutes, then ask God for the capacity for the accordion of the Lord's Prayer to expand to ten. If you pray one day of the week, then maybe ask for God's grace to go to three. 
If you're praying three days a week, ask him for grace to go to five. Take steps that are reasonable and attainable. Don't wear someone else, else's yoke. You know, you may have heard great men and women of the faith who prayed for an hour, an hour and a half, or like Martin Luther or John Wesley, five hours a day because their life was so busy. You know, don't try to be heroic, you know, because you'll end up just defeated. That's just the way it works. Change happens incrementally. And it takes a, a good number of days and weeks for, for new habits to, to be like enlarged in your life. So just cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You may, after all, the issue isn't how many minutes you spend praying. It's having an opportunity to vitally connect with God our Father in these five meaningful ways. And so just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is your yoke for me? He knows better than, than we do what, what the rhythm should look like. So be courageous enough to actually ask Him. Lord, what should the rhythm of the Lord's Prayer be like in my life? Now, in your program today, you, you found uh, a Lord's Prayer guide. We printed these up. Um, if you didn't grab a program today, they're on the, uh, the table and the guest central table on your way out. You can snag one. And it just is a, is a printed guide that shows the six demarcations that we've been unloading the last eight weeks. And you could use this as a prompt or a reminder for, for keeping you on track as you begin to press this new rhythm for prayer. Over the years, I've taken each of these six demarcations and I've added the, the scriptures that I found meaningful. And so now my Lord's Prayer guide is about 16 pages because I've just stuffed it full of great promises to pray in each of these areas. And, and actually, we'll, we'll be expanding this guide and posting it on the city for you to, to read. The city is our online community with scriptures that, that we've kind of fleshed this out. But this would be a good starting place for you. Um, get comfortable with the accordion. Find a rhythm that works for you. Thirdly, keep a journal of some kind. Now, I understand that many of you are not writers, and the thought of journaling is about as thrilling as going to the dentist. But the truth is, I've just found that writing out your prayers uh, is, 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 is good uh, for two reasons. It, it, number one, it helps me focus and be no less authentic. It's not less of a prayer because you write it out longhand and actually read it. That's an authentic Spirit-inspired prayer. Plus, secondly, a journal can actually give you a record uh, of the prayers, especially as they're answered. And you will be amazed over the course of your life how many prayers God actually answers. Certainly not all, but many. And it will serve as a reminder of His goodness and His faithfulness. Now, your journal can be online. It can be on your smartphone in the note section. It can be on a spiral notebook. It doesn't have to be fancy. Use whatever works for you. The last tip, Tip number four that I'd like to do is encourage you to pray in other ways. Now, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer model as the way to pray. And so I have a deep conviction that there is great merit in following this model for the bulk of our praying, because Jesus said, pray this way. Nevertheless, there are a number of other ways to pray and to connect with God in meaningful and powerful ways. And so first, some of you are graced with the gift of intercession. Intercession is the ability to pray on behalf of people or circumstances or ministries or even our church family for a focused period of time for a particular result. And if God has wired you this way, then I would say, go for it. Pray this way. Secondly, pray the Psalms. That is to say, you take one of, uh, one of or maybe several of the Psalms every day 
Pray them out loud as your way of connecting to God. Since there are about 150 psalms, it takes, if you read five a day, it would take you a month to get through the Psalter as the way of praying and connecting. And it covers the wide range of human experience. Thirdly, pray the prayers of the Apostle Paul. There are several passages in the letters of Paul that that make really great prayers. Um, Romans, the eighth chapter, verses 31 to 39. Um, Ephesians, the first chapter, is a, is a great is a great one. Uh, for instance, uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, uh, verses fifteen to twenty three, a, a powerful prayer. But the one I really like is Ephesians three fourteen. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious and limited resources, He'll empower you with inner strength through His Spirit, and then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand with all God's, as all God's people should, how wide and long and high and deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. And then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who's able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ through all generations forever and forever. Amen. That's a powerful prayer. You personalize that. And wow, look what God can do. Philippians 2, that great doxology from the fifth verse to the 11th verse of that hallmark chapter of the divinity of Christ is a powerful prayer to pray. Colossians, the first chapter, verses 9 to 14. Very powerful prayer of the Apostle Paul. You can personalize those for your own. So let these scriptures be the spirit-inspired prayers that, that you pray. Punctuate your rhythm of prayer with the prayers of Paul. And lastly, I'm going to encourage you to pray in tongues. Now, before any of you panic uh, or or like check out on me here, just 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 simmer down and, and be patient with me. Tongues uh, you don't need to be nervous about tongues. You don't need to be afraid about tongues. Many of us are just afraid of spiritually about things we don't, often don't understand. So just bear with me for just a moment. Um, I've been praying in tongues for 35 years, almost every day. And um, you've had, many of you have had eight or nine months to begin to get to make my acquaintance. And you notice I, I walk with two feet on the ground and I've not yet sprouted any other limbs. It, it, pr- tongues did not cease with the death of the last apostle. They did not cease with the giving of the completion of the canon of Scripture, nor are they from the devil. Tongues are a supernatural ability to speak to God in a language that you have never learned. Uh, it is not a natural or human ability. That is, you not learn, study and learn a foreign language. That's commendable, but that's not what the Spirit is talking about in the Bible when it's referring to speaking in tongues, or more literally translated, speaking in other languages. It's a supernatural ability to speak in a language that you have never learned. While always unknown to the speaker, it may actually be a known language or an angelic language. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, Though I pray in known languages of men or unknown languages of angels. And so it could actually be a known language, but the thing about tongues is it's always unknown to you. Now, it is a form of prayer, albeit mysterious. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, if I have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since uh, people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. And so it's 
it bypasses the intellect. In this sense, it's mysterious. It's a form of prayer. Uh, it builds up the believer. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, more, more commonly as translated, edified, built up. And it, it transcends the limitations of human language. Verse 14, he says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And so it transcends the intellectual ability is what he's telling us in verse 14. Now, this gift has been a great blessing to many people around the globe uh, since Pentecost. Hear me closely, though. It's not the only gift of the Spirit, nor is it the most important gift. Not all Christians speak in tongues, nor is it necessary. Uh, it is not the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit, or as some traditions teach, the evidence of the baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's no biblical evidence that, that such is the case. It's possible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Nevertheless, in the book of Acts and in Christian experience through history, speaking in tongues often accompanies a filling of the Spirit. And I appeal to Acts chapter 2, the record of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, as proof. Acts 2, 4, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles in Acts 10, the story concludes, as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to his message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And the one I'd like to call particular attention to is Paul's address in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, when he says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. I don't know about you, but I just run out of things to say. I don't know what God's will is. I don't know how I should pray. I don't know the, the words to craft around my prayers. And, and, and this promise in Romans tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we pray in the Spirit or in tongues. And we can pray for you to receive that gift if you desire. It's my conviction and largely my experience that anybody that has a desire can receive that gift when prayed for. How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit in this way, you ask? Well, first of all, just believe that the Father wants to empower you. Acts 1.8, uh, Dr. Luke tells us that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to be my witness. Jesus said uh, in, in Luke, uh, Luke's gospel, uh, that the text that surrounds the giving of the Lord's Prayer, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give a steak instead? No. If, if you ask for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? No. And even though you are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? So I would just say you ask and you ask with confidence, knowing that uh, God is not going to send you something false. You never need to fear deception. Secondly, that you do not need to fear receiving a substitute, that the enemy is going to sneak something in and give you a false gift. Because Jesus said that God, the father is going to give you something much more. So you just relax and receive the work of the Holy Spirit on you. And, and when you look at the book of Acts, the testimony of, of the record of the early church is that when the Holy Spirit fills us, 
very often we see something, feel something, or say something. And in the case of saying something, it could often be prophecy, as we saw in Acts 10, or the gift of tongues, the supernatural ability to speak in a language you've never learned. And so I just encourage people, relax. You know, don't try to work something up or pray something down. Just allow the Holy Spirit that is in you, if you're a Christ follower, every one of us has the Holy Spirit, for, for him to be stirred up. And then just expect what Acts 2, 4 said. Acts says, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance or the ability. And so you do the talking, the Holy Spirit provides the words. And here's the key. You can't speak two languages at once, so stop speaking whatever your native tongue is. For the majority of you, that's English. And so you've got to stop speaking in English and allow whatever words the Holy Spirit forms to come out. So just a little coaching on how that gift could be practiced if you desire. Uh, it, it's a way for you to connect directly with God, to speak mysteries to God, to be built up in your faith, and to pray according to the will of God. And I would say that's a gift that God wants to give to all of us. So the tips, prayer's a lifelong journey, find a rhythm, keep a journal, pray in other ways. Well, folks, that's the exclamation point, period, uh, uh, of our journey through the Lord's Prayer, my hope is that we respond to it as God's invitation to experience more of the real life that Jesus said he came for all of us to get. Lord, we're grateful that you've like challenged us and you've equipped us. Lord, you declare in 1 Corinthians 3 that all things are ours, that everything belongs to us. And I pray that we'd experience more of that everything. Lord, I know that you promised in the eighth uh, chapter of Romans that because you didn't spare your own son, but gave him up for us all, how much more will you give us everything else? I, I pray for every member of our church family and those that are our guests today, that you that you would fill us up, that we could experience all that you have for us, especially in prayer, and that our experience in prayer would be reset today and you'd catalyze us uh, to experience all that you desire and died for us to have. Put power on your word to our lives where we need to change. And Lord, now as we offer our, our hearts to you in worship and the giving of our gifts to you, we, we pray that you take these for what they are, tokens that we want our life to count, that we do love you, and uh, we're, we're devoted to you yet for another week. In your name we pray, amen.